What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. It's been a few weeks. I am back. It is just me today here in the studio. Got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a really fun episode. Talking about my uh, my two favorite things, I'd say. College basketball. Going to get into a lot of college basketball today. Um, gonna The regular season is winding down. And... There was a lot of great matchups today. Today's Saturday, March 9th. Going to be recapping a lot of those games. Uh, and after that, we're going. I'm going to be getting into some teams in the tournament that I like, some teams that I don't like. And another one of my favorite things that I'll be getting into today, uh, Antonio Brown. Just trash-talking him and uh, talking about that whole situation. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, this is episode 27 of the Hogline Podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, And let's get right into it, you know. The NCAA College Basketball Selection Sunday, one week from today. This will probably be out uh, tomorrow on Sunday. So if you listen to this, it'll be one week from then, Selection Sunday. My favorite time of year, pretty much my second Christmas. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. The tournament is right around the corner. Conference tournaments are, they've already started. There, a lot of the smaller conferences are, you know, right in the middle of their, right in the middle of them currently as I'm speaking. Uh, but the bigger ones, you know, the Power Five conferences, they start next week. And it's just, you know, March is a great time of year. Uh, the first team, actually, that's already in the tournament, the conference winner, Murray State. Uh, they beat Belmont in the Ohio, Va- Ohio Valley Conference Championship tonight. I don't remember what the score was, but, uh, you know, obviously that's important. John ja Morant, uh, he's, you know, top five prospect in NBA draft. He did really well tonight. He shot uh, over 50%, 36 points, seven boards, three assists, and a few steals. Uh, you know, very exciting talent. He should be really fun to watch in the tournament. So I just thought I'd mention them because they're the first team to make their way into the tournament officially. You know, as we all know, the uh, every conference champion has an automatic bid into the tournament. So congratulations, Murray State, for winning the Ohio Valley Conference. And uh, Morant should be uh, fun to watch in the tournament. Uh, but anyway, some of the other important regular season games, as the you know this was the last weekend of the regular season, some of the other marquee matchups today. That I got to watch. It was a great day for college basketball. Um, and I'm glad I didn't really have much to do. And I could just uh, relax and watch for a lot of today. Um, starting off, you know, the game that everyone is probably, you know, most excited about. Best rivalry in all of sports, if you ask me. Uh, Duke and North Carolina. The Tar Heels beat the Blue Devils 79-70. to uh, It was pretty close throughout, uh, to be honest. You know, I, I don't remember what it was at halftime, but, you know, up until like the last eight or nine minutes, it was pretty close the whole time. But UNC pulled away at the end, and they ended up winning seventy nine to seventy. They honestly could have put it away a lot earlier, but they were really bad from the uh, free throw line. Um, I don't remember what they shot exactly, but I think it was under fifty percent, if I remember correctly. But uh, Kobe White shined. He really took over the second half. He had twenty one points, uh, fourteen of them coming in the second half. He had uh, three blocks and three boards to go along with that. Luke May, all-around performance from him. He had seven points, 16 boards, and seven assists. So very good performance from the senior there on senior nights. 
And uh, even Nasir Little, the talented freshman, got in. He got 18 minutes. He had nine points. And Cam Johnson, former Pitt, uh, Pitt player, he had double-double at 14 and 10 for him. And uh, obviously, as we all know, Zion has been out for about a month. He was Obviously, he got injured in the last UNC-Duke game when he famously uh, bursted out of his shoe on that one play. Um, so Zion's been out since then, did not play in this contest either. And the two other stud freshmen, Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett, didn't really have the best game. I know they, they accounted for, I think, 50 of their 70 points. Uh, but they shot 32%. They went 16 for 50 combined between the both of them. So they kind of, you know, I mean, they got to take that many shots because, I mean, you can't rely on, like, Trey Jones and Alex O'Connell to take your shots if you're Duke. So, I mean, they had to shoot a lot, and it just the shots weren't falling for them, you know. And also, another big uh, important factor in this one, the Duke-North Carolina game, was uh, Marquise Bolden, Duke's center, got hurt in, in the first two minutes of the game. So, you know, they were just ex- exposed underneath. And guys like, uh, you know, Luke May and even like Kobe White was able to, able to um, you know, penetrate the middle. So, obviously, you know, Marquise Bolden, I don't, I don't know if any of you really, like, you know, pay attention or know about him, but I mean, he's... Not obviously not like a stud like their top like their big three Zion Cam and RJ but he's a very good interior defender he gets a lot of blocks and he's you know maybe more important than people realize so I know obviously not like something they can't overcome but you know it definitely played a factor in this one I'd say and obviously you know the biggest factor is Zion not playing um and the two times that UNC beat Duke this year they beat them twice they only played them twice so far unless they play them in the uh the ACC tournament they didn't play them at full strength you know they didn't have Zion in the first and they didn't have Zion or Bolden in this one so I mean that's not taking I don't want to discredit anything that uh North Carolina did today they played amazing uh, especially Kobe White I was very impressed with him I'll talk about more uh talk about him in a little bit specifically but uh to be fair they did not play Duke at full strength so we'll see we'll see what happens um with Zion, if if he comes back, Coach K said that Zion will be ready to go for the ACC tournament. Um, so I I mean obviously we all want to see him play because he's just you know a high, human highlight reel, but um, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, moving on from that game, I could talk about that one all night. That was I, I just that I think I don't remember exactly. Just this will be the last thing I say on that, but I think in the last a hundred and one games that Duke and North Carolina have played, I think it's like 51 to 50 in favor of North Carolina. I could be wrong, but it's the splits are like unbelievable. And even like the total points in those 100 games that they've played, the last 100 games, it like it's like less than like 20 points. It's unbelievable. And that's why it's the best rivalry in sports. Like it's just so evenly matched and like you can't say like one team is like fa- more favor like favored over the other. Like anything can happen. It's just it's just unbelievable, in my opinion. So, I mean, great game. North Carolina played really well down the stretch, and hats off to them. They won 79-70. to 70, So, that's that. Another game that was very, very good, um, Michigan State and Michigan. Top 10 matchup, both teams. Michigan State pulls out this one. They won 75-63 to 63, uh, after being down in the first half. Um, I, I think both, both of these teams are obviously very talented. 
Um, you know, notable performances. Cash, Cassius Winston really played well. Um, 23 points and seven assists for him. And uh, another guy I like on Michigan State, you know, not necessarily like one of their bigger names. Like Nick Ward's out right now and Langford's out. But Aaron Henry, he's a freshman from Michigan State. Um, played big minutes. I think he had nine points in this one. But uh, Tom Izzo has really been working him more into the lineup. He really has been uh, forced to with all the injuries they've had, you know, to Nick Ward. And uh, I mean, I know Langford doesn't sit, play the same position as Henry, but uh, he's been getting a lot of minutes, Aaron Henry, that is. And uh, he's really done well. And I know Izzo really likes him. So, I mean, I don't think he'll leave to go to the NBA draft this year, but it'll be interesting to see. That's just another long term. Just like look out for Aaron Henry. That's all I'm saying. Aaron Henry, Michigan State, remember that name. So he played decent tonight in the minutes that he got. And uh, if you look on Michigan, their side, um, you know, they didn't have their best performance, especially in the second half. But uh, Iggy Brasdegas, I had the pleasure of watching him play in person uh, when Michigan came to Rutgers, and he destroyed us. He was so good. He made everything. He uh, He's just unbelievable. He's this, uh, I don't know what nationality he is, but... He's this white guy with, you know, crazy flow, his hair, I mean. But he's, his game is unbelievable. He's just, he makes everything. He's ridiculous. And uh, I, I, I didn't, Charles Matthews, uh, excuse me, Michigan's uh, arguably their best player. They've got, a, I don't know if they necessarily have a best player. They're all of their, there's a very deep and very balanced team. But Charles Matthew, one of their best uh, scorers, has been out for the past three games, and he did not play tonight either. Uh, I mean that that could be part of the reason why they haven't been you know necessarily playing their best basketball as of late. But hopefully he can be healthy, and I'm sure he will by the time you know Big Ten tournament time, and if not by the Big Ten tournament, by the NCAA tournament. So um, Michigan State completed a comeback. I don't remember how much they were. They were down by like ten at one point in the first half, but they ended up winning by twelve. And um, hats off to Michigan State. They played really well. So that's another that was another great game, you know, this weekend, plenty of them. Uh but I'll talk about one more, one more that I want to talk about is Kentucky over Florida. Um Florida's kind of on the bubble right now. I mean, they're going to be in most likely unless they completely you know, they get upset in the first round of the SEC tournament, but Kentucky uh should be in line for one seed if everything goes right for them. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, I think Joe Lenardi has them projected as one currently in the latest uh, bracketology. But in this one, Kentucky beat Florida 66 to 57 uh, behind Tyler Heroes, 16 points. And PJ Washington had a nice performance, 15 points, nine boards. And uh, even Keldon Johnson, you know, got in the mix. He had 14 points, came off the bench in this one. Um, so Kentucky is really rolling right now. They played really well. They, They'd struggle a little bit early on in the season, but, you know, they're just playing unbelievable as of late. And, uh, you know, they should be in line for a one seed. And I think they're the second seed in the SEC tournament. I think uh, LSU grabbed the one. I think that's set. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, they should they should be a one seed in the, tour, in the NCAA tournament I'm talking about if they, you know, as long as they don't, like, lose in the first or second round of the SEC tournament. But they played really well in this one. Uh, they didn't even have Reed Travis, who's one of their better big men. And um, it forced the guys like Nick Richards to uh, play more minutes. And Nick Richards isn't bad, but if he, um, you know, they're better off when they have their 
obviously every team is better off with full strength. So Kentucky played really well. And in terms of Florida, um, you know, it doesn't really hurt their re- doesn't really help. Excuse me, their resume. Um, you know, no loss ever does. But I mean, they, if they string together a few wins here in the SEC tournament, I think they should be fine and should be able to get in. And um, who knows? If, as long as you get in the tournament, anything can happen. That's uh, proven year in and year out. So uh, those are cu- that's just a few of the games I wanted to recap about this this Saturday in college basketball. You know, it's a lot of fun. I could go on and on all day. Then um, there was tons of great games this day, this today. Auburn beat Tennessee by four or five, and Tennessee's fifth in the country, and Auburn's unranked. Uh, what else happened? Virginia, they hung on against Louisville, I think they played. Um, Villanova got upset by Seton Hall, too. There's just tons of action, uh, you know, a lot of upsets. That's just the great thing about college basketball. Anyone can beat anyone at any given day. That's what they just, it's just awesome. You know, I could just talk about it all day. Uh, but I'll move on. I'm just going to briefly, briefly, excuse me, go through some teams that I'd like in the tournament. Um, teams that you should maybe think about picking. So, you know, I'll give some, I think I have like six or seven written down. Just go through them quickly. And I'll give a few teams that I don't like that team that, uh, experts and just people may be high on for some reason, but I'm kind of hesitant to pick to go far in the tournament. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, teams that I like, I really like, I don't know if this is just recency bias because I just literally watched them play like a few hours ago, but I'm really, really starting to like this North Carolina team. Uh, I haven't been this way the whole year. It kind of took me a little while to warm up to them, but I just really like how they're coming together. I think, I don't know, I don't know exactly, but I, in my mind, the key to a, a successful team in the tournament, I envision very athletic, freakishly athletic, talented, Freshmen, you know, you want to have a few of them on your team, but you also you don't want to be loaded with freshmen. You want to have some experience, and I I just think UNC has a very nice blend of both. Kobe White, who I just raved about earlier, he's developed unbelievably this season. No one really, I mean, he was a highly regarded uh, prospect in, in high school, but he really developed over the season, and people didn't really. He, he's just really coming to his own. I think he has he averages 16 points a uh, game, which is I think top five North Carolina all time for freshmen, um, and just watching him play, he's just so. I I saw him play in person. I went to the Pitt North Carolina game earlier this year. I was in Pitt, and I got to see him play in person. He was just unbelievable. He he's just all around so good. His handles are amazing. He's very big for a guard in college. He's six five, which people don't really realize, but he's a big big guard for a college point guard. He can knock everything down, and he's just unbelievable. And uh, Nasir Little, he's a he was a top five prospect. Hasn't really lived up to the uh, full hype. He kind of comes off the bench, but he, when he play when he gets minutes, he produces. He's very strong, great rebounder, can jump so high. Um, great. I mean, he's just he's a freak too. But like I said, North Carolina has older guys, Kenny Williams. He played great defense today versus Duke. Luke May, I mean, he was an All-American, preseason All-American, and uh, he great vision for a big man. I could just go on and on about this team. I just think they have a nice blend of youth 
or like freshmen, underclassmen, and they have older guys like Cam Johnson. I'd even mentioned so all around very deep team, well coached, obviously with Roy Williams. So UNC, I'm really liking them, and I think you should definitely consider. Um, I don't know picking them, picking them to go far. Another team I like is Gonzaga. Um, again, another very deep, well balanced team. They've got their NBA prospects and Brandon Clark and Rory Archimura. I love saying that name. I don't know if I talked about Rory on this show, but like he's just so he's very good as well. He's a great scorer. Um but I don't know, just a very good team as well. Good guard play, good backcourt, and uh they've got Perkins and Norvell Jr. And uh Mark Fuse, their coach, and I mean he has he's had very talented teams in the past. Um, you know, he took that he took a team it was my freshman year. They played North Carolina in the championship, but he took that team to the finals. Hasn't, I mean, he hasn't won a national championship, but I mean, he's also a very good coach. Um, so I, I don't know. I really like this Gonzaga team. They're playing. They're unbelievable. It's one of the best teams Mark Few has ever had. I could probably say that. Um, so I look out for Gonzaga. Um, yeah, just a very good, well-balanced squad as well. And I mean, people knock on them because they play in, you know, very bad conference. You know, we've got San Francisco and Pepperdine and all these weird schools in there. But, I mean, you can't fault them for that. They're just, they're they're the exception. You know, they're Gonzaga. They can, I think they can play with anyone. Uh, I talked about Michigan earlier. Um, even though they lost today, I just think they're very good. They're very deep, well-balanced, well-coached. Uh, John Beeline, I think he's a top three coach in the country. Always has his team ready to go come tournament time. And uh, I mean, look what they did last year. They, I didn't. They're, they shouldn't. They had no business making the finals. But they're just so well disciplined, especially on defense. They play great defense, um, and they've got scoring options. Like I said, Matthews. I know he's hurt right now, but great scorer comes up in big moments. Jordan Poole, he's a sophomore, made that big shot last year in the tournament versus Houston in the second round. Um, one of the he made a buzzer beater. Just great poise from a young kid and. He did. He improved upon last year to this year. He's already, I think he's averaging fourteen or fifteen this year. So, um, they got Xavier Simpson, their point guard. Uh, I trust him with the ball. I don't trust him. I trust him to not turn the ball over in key situations. Um, just very cerebral player. And like I said, Iggy, their their stud freshman. I think he he's a man. He he's a cold blooded killer. He can knock anything down. So, Michigan, top to bottom, I think they're a very complete team. Some may say they struggle in offense, but I think they have enough scoring to go around and, you know, put up points against top, top tier programs. Uh, so those are some of like, like you know, highly ranked teams that'll probably be like a one through three seed in the tournament. But some teams I won't go into them in depth as much as I did the others. But some other uh, schools that may be like five or below in the seeding come tournament time. I like Louisville. I like Syracuse, and I like Florida State. Uh, Louisville, I really like, you know, people kind of forgot about Louisville because of the whole scandal situation with Rick Pitino and all those violations. And that was a whole mess. I don't want to get into that, but people, they've been kind of like flying under the radar the past like few years, but they have, uh, a Xavier's coach. His name's Chris Mack and they're just, uh, Louisville's another complete team. They don't really have like a, you know, like a star, but like they've got a very well-balanced team. And uh, I don't know, Chris Mack, he took the Xavier teams, you know, they had a few good seasons there. So 
there's some tournament experience there. So I could really see maybe Louisville. I'm not saying they're going to like make the final four or anything, but I could see them making like the sweet 16 as like a seven or eight seed. So, I mean, it all depends. It really all depends like where these teams, uh, you know, where the committee puts them and what region they put, put them in and who they have to play. And also a lot can change because the conference tournaments haven't even happened yet. That's going to be all this week. But, uh, I look out for Louisville. I think they could definitely make some noise. Uh, Syracuse, I'm not necessarily too high on them uh, because I think they're kind of a one-man show with Tyus Battle. And he also he also kind of shoots them out of game sometimes. Sometimes he just, you know, his, he's a volume shooter and he kind of shoots them out of game sometimes. Like, you see games where he goes like 3 for 15 and it's kind of ugly. But I, you gotta put Syracuse. You gotta always consider them, because they just they they play a zone in the tournament, and Jim Beheim is just a master, and he'll just confuse the heck out of any team, and they just always seem to play their best basketball in the tournament, and they win more games than they're supposed to. So I'm not saying that I'm gonna pick Syracuse. I'm not gonna fall in love with them and do anything crazy like put them in the Final Four or anything. But I'm gonna consider them to win a few games and I think you should too because when you got Jim Beheim, you got a stud like Tyus Battle who can you know carry a team by himself at times you got to think about them uh, and also Florida State I've been kind of high on them I just I really like them I saw them play a few years ago and they've got a lot of the same guys from I think it was last year um, but and then they, they went pretty far last year. I think they made the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, last year. And they've retained a lot of their guys. And another very well-balanced team. I like well-balanced teams that have a blend of youth and, you know, upperclassmen leadership. So those are some of the teams that I like. You can listen to me or not. Um, we'll see if I'm right. I, I, think I'm, I, I think it's been like every other year my bracket is good. And, and then the next year it's terrible. So... We'll see. I actually had a really good bracket last year, so by that logic, I'll probably... Who knows? I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. So, uh, Some teams I don't like briefly. I'll move on in a second, but um, I don't really know about Tennessee. I don't know if I'm sold on them. I They got Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, but outside of them, I just don't know. I don't know if they have enough to compete with some of these other schools that I just mentioned and some that I didn't even mention. Um, but I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm not sold on, I don't know if I'm sold on Tennessee quite yet. Uh, maybe that'll change in the next week. I'll have a change of heart, but they just really have been playing well recently. They lost today. They lost a few other games that they should have easily won, but, um, I don't know. We'll see about Tennessee. Sorry, TJ. I know TJ's a big, uh, Tennessee guy, but I don't know. We'll see about them and Michigan state. I don't, I don't know if they'll be healthy. I don't know if, uh, Excuse me, Josh Langford is out for the season or not? I have to, I'd have to check on that. But if they're not healthy, I don't know if Cassius Winston and like I don't know. I don't know if he can do it all by himself. And honestly, I'm just gonna say it's kind of an unpopular opinion, but Tom Izzo kind of overrated in the tournament. You know, he's had very talented teams in the past, and he just he has he just hasn't done what he's expected to do, in my opinion. I think. By this point, he should have done more. I don't know. I maybe I'm salty because that one year I picked them to go all the way and they lost as a two seed to a fifteen. Maybe I'm salty about that. Still, it was a few years ago, but 
I don't know. I don't know if I trust Michigan State, especially with these injuries too. I mean, if any team's not at full full health by the tournament time, you got to worry about them. So look for Michigan State to get bounced in the first weekend potentially, and who knows? Anything can happen in the tournament. And I also, I don't want to say I'm, I'm not sold on Duke, but I wouldn't go all in on Duke. I don't, I don't think you should blindly pick them just because they have the most exciting player in college basketball and they're Duke. But I feel like a lot of people will do that. And I'm not going to fall under that trap like I did last year. I fell in love with them, and I just I picked them to go all the way, and they, they broke my heart. Uh, they got they they didn't make the final four, so I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna pick Duke, but I'm I would definitely yeah, think about it, um, especially because a lot of people might have them going far. You don't necessarily want to, you know, do what everyone else does. So yeah, we'll see. So that's it for college basketball. I could talk about this all day long. There's so much you could get into, but I'll uh I'll spare you for now. Um. I was going to talk NBA, but I think I'm going to go right to Antonio Brown. Yeah, I'll just get it over with. Antonio Brown, what a mess. There I'm just going to I'm just going to recap some of the stuff, you know, that's been going on over the past few months just to refresh you all. Antonio Brown this year puts together a Pro Bowl all-pro kind of year. 104 catches, 1297 yards, 15 touchdowns in 15 games, might I remind you. Because he mysteriously was inactive for Week 17 versus the Cincinnati Bengals, a game in which we had to win plus help to make the playoffs. Antonio Brown did not play. Uh, he was listed on the injury report, but that's kind of weird because, I don't know, there's been reports that Brown walked out of practice. He didn't even show up to the facilities on game day, so who knows if he was actually hurt or not in the Week 17 game versus Cincinnati. Then... A whole bunch of stuff happens. And then finally, on February 12th, a week after the Super Bowl, Antonio Brown officially requests a trade from the Steelers. Um, following that, a whole bunch of posts on Twitter and Instagram saying farewell to Steeler Nation and all that stuff. Then, finally, two days ago, March 7th, Ian Rappaport tweets, Bills and Steelers closing in on a deal that will send Antonio Brown to Buffalo. And everyone went nuts, including myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. He's going to Buffalo. No one thought of Buffalo. And then he comments on the Instagram picture that the NFL posted saying fake news. People are like, what is going on? This guy is so weird. I've never seen anything like this before. And then the deal falls through because Antonio Brown said that I will not report to Buffalo if I'm traded there. I I have a headache. I have a headache from all of this. And it's just wild. I can't believe... This is... I've never seen anything... This is just like... It's never... It's... I don't... I don't know. I'm speechless at some of this stuff that he does, quite honestly. Um, but Antonio Brown, he's still... We're still trying to shop him. Who knows where we're going to go? He's been rumored Oakland. I think that might happen, but who knows, honestly. Anything could happen at this point. It's just a whole mess. Um, so that's pretty much a whole you know, recap of the major events that have transpired over the past few months regarding Antonio. But, man, it, it is wild. I'm gonna, Here's my whole thinking about this. I've shared it plenty of times already, but I'm just going to... My thoughts have evolved 
and I'm just going to share them with you. I supported Antonio Brown, you know, for a long time, probably longer than I should have. Um, I backed him, and I didn't, I didn't want to let go of that vision of the good Antonio that I thought existed for my whole, like his whole time on the Steelers. Maybe I was in denial. Maybe I just didn't want to believe all of the stuff that was happening. And I don't know. I just think I was in denial. But at a certain point, these antics get old. They really do. Uh, when you just want to focus on winning, I want the Steelers to do well. And this just becomes too much. It's too much and too much of a distraction. And honestly, I guess it kind of, my whole mood and attitude toward the whole thing and him kind of just slowly progressed to honestly annoyance frustration and I flat out don't like him at all at this point uh I think maybe the key moment that this all like I actually flipped the switched and didn't like him went from supporting him to not supporting him at all was he this is kind of like it kind of gets lost by most people, they don't really talk about this, but I was really mad when he he liked tweets on Twitter. It was like it had something to do with like calling Ben a rapist, and I don't know. I, I I'm not like defending Ben Roethlisberger at all in that sense because obviously what he did was terrible, and he deserved his suspension and probably deserved more games of a suspension. Definitely did, um, and that, obviously that was terrible what happened many, many years ago, but you know, you don't have, if you're Antonio Brown, you, you, you know, that has nothing to do with you. It's another man's business. You don't talk about that. You don't make that public. And I don't know. It got me really mad for some reason. Like you don't, despite whatever problems you may be having behind closed doors and in practices, in the team facilities, like you don't do that. Like it's just, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. And at that point, I just gave up. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done with you. I want you to go. I'm ready to move on. And I'm just done with you, man. He's just, he's, I, I don't know. It's like, maybe I was like in love and, and like, you know, like, I don't know. You're in a relationship and like, there's so many flaws, but you just don't see them because you don't want to. And then when you get out of the relationship, like you finally see everything that was wrong with that person. That's like how I feel with Antonio Brown. Like, now I'm seeing everything so clearly that's wrong with him. He's so immature. And I don't know if I sound salty or whatnot, but that's just how I feel. And just so frustrating, honestly. And I I don't know. I want to shout out TJ because TJ saw this coming years ago. He's been saying Antonio Brown is a me player. He doesn't care if the Steelers win. He only cares about his money. He only cares about his stats. And I'm like, shut up, TJ. You don't know what you're talking about. And I just completely wrote him off. And TJ was 150% right. He was 100%, 150% right. And he just called it. He was, he just, I don't know. It's like he could see the future. But like, I guess it was going on, going on all along and I just didn't notice. But shout out to TJ. He really... Uh, hit the nail on the head on this one. And uh, man, I don't know. I, and then, oh yeah, sorry. I forgot to say one thing. Antonio Brown is seeking more money. 
He makes $17 million a year and he wants more money. He wants 18 to $20 million because apparently he's, as soon as he gets traded, he's going to restructure his deal. And I, I don't know. What a jerk. I'm sorry. Like, dude, like you're already like a, you're, I think he's the top paid wide receiver in the NFL. Like, no, nah, I think maybe Odell is now. But whatever. He's top three. Like, shut up and play, Antonio. I don't care. I, I, I hope he's terrible wherever he goes. I'm sorry. And I honestly, this is going to sound crazy. And I think I've said this before in previous episodes. But I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it until I'm proven right. I think we're going to be just fine without them. We really will. I guarantee, I'm saying this right now. The Steelers will win the AFC North in 2019. Because it's just a mental thing. Once the players get this mess out of town, out of their heads, we're going to play better. We're going to be more cohesive, and we're just going to play as a team. We're going to win. And I'll leave it at that. And, yeah, that's just how I feel. Oof. That I only talked about Antonio Brown for, like, I think seven minutes, but I'm just exhausted, man. I'm tired of this. I want it to be I want it to be done. It makes for good content honestly, but I want it to be over with. And um I hope it is soon. I hope he's just out of out of out of the out of town and we can move on. We get whatever we can for him and just move on. So that's that. Uh that's today's episode. That is episode 27. I've got a few announcements here to close out the show. Uh, the Hogline Podcast will be running a March Madness pool, as we I always run one uh, every March. But be on lookout, be on the lookout for that. Uh, trying to get as many people as we can for that. Probably it'll be ten dollars, and it'll probably be hosted on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. So um, that'll be coming within the next week when the bracket is released next Sunday. So be on the lookout for that, and also. Uh, I will not be. This will be. This is a first time thing at the Hogline here. Jack and Joey are going to be hosting an episode. Dear God, I don't know what that's. It's going to be. It's going to be rough. We'll see how it goes. But Jack and Joey are going to be hosting an episode. Should be released probably a day or two after this one. So be on the lookout for that. That should be. I'm. I'm looking forward. I want to hear what they have to say. Um. So look out for that one. The first episode without me. I hope you all don't miss me that much, but we'll see. And, uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and do all that stuff. Follow us on Instagram at the Hogline Podcast. Follow me at Mitchell Manis. And, um, yeah, enjoy March, guys. Have a good one.